Welcome to another edition of State of Emergency. I'm Peter Schorsch here with my my co-host, the he's honorable again, uh, Broward County Commissioner Jared Moskowitz. Jared, is this a ethical violation for you to be on the podcast with me, or are you free? Are you clear to do this? Well, the, the truth is, I've not asked. Uh, first of all, Peter, it's good to be with you. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> Second of all, I've not asked the county attorney. I mean, as far as I know, you're not on the county commission, so we can discuss all sorts of things. Uh, You're also in the press. And the last time I checked, there still is a constitution. um, And we should be able to talk about whatever you want. That's awesome. So um, I should say happy Thanksgiving to you and uh, congratulations on your appointment. It came as a big surprise. Uh, to everyone um, that you were appointed because you, I, I, I got to give you credit. You kind of kept a secret here. I mean, you, you probably told a few people, but um, you know, the articles and the stories going up to it were about other people that applied. And so kudos to you on your appointment, but also it was just a, it was a nice, pleasant surprise. I saw a lot of people, you know, uh, Ryan Petty, uh, a lot of your, a lot of your, you know, former, colleagues kind of giving you uh, kudos for getting appointed. And so uh, genuinely, um, I'm glad that I live in Pinellas County now that you are uh, on the Broward County Commission. Um, and so um, <laughs> our uh, our guest today is going to be uh, Representative Joe Harding. Um, <clears throat> we needed a Republican. We, we, we just couldn't continue to talk about the Democratic primary for governor. In fact, there's not a lot going on in that race. We'll talk about that a little bit after we talk with Representative Harding, but we wanna bring him on and uh, get a kind of a preview of what is going on. We're talking now during uh, the le- the final uh, committee week uh, before the 2022 legislative session. So Representative Harding, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon, Peter. Thanks for having me on and to the honorable commissioner uh, that's that's now a com- yeah, commissioner and uh, congrats again to you on that appointment and uh, thank you the citizens of Broward will be well served so congrats thank you thank you yes it uh, I ha- I at the age of 40 I have been a city commissioner a state representative the director of emergency management and now a county commissioner or as the opposition research will say about me from a future opponent a lifetime politician <laughs> there you go. Rep, do you mind if we just call you Joe for the rest of this podcast? Please, so you know please, that got... Yeah, please do. Wow, um, you if... asked permission. Peter, that's a first. I'm well, impressed. I mean, let's be honest. By like, the way, Joe, there's a lot of respect there that he asked. I mean, oh, he just usually other we have guests on. He's like, Tina and Joe or Jeremy. He just goes like right into it. And you like, wow, Peter. So I don't really know Representative Harding, Joe, as well as I do other people, but um, we kind of friended each other on Facebook. It was other than, you know, it, it was interesting that that was the vehicle. Um, and one of the things that we have tried to do at Florida politics is, you know, it's kind of like cover uh, state representatives and lawmakers that, you know, aren't in the big media markets. And, you know, Joe is one of those people that falls into it. We actually spend a lot of like money promoting our stories into so-called like Air, news deserts where there isn't a daily newspaper uh, with a Capitol Bureau. Um, and so, you know, Representative Harding was one of those people. And I remember, I think you even said- Or quite frankly, in some places where there's no newspaper at all. Right. And I think you said something to me about, like we reached out to do a story, just basically like, here's who's running for, um, you're in House District 22, correct? Yeah, yes. I think we just did a basic story and you're like, I don't think anybody's reached out to me yet or something like that. And that's how you and I kind of struck up a, an online friendship. Am I, am I getting it right? Yeah, no, you've got it right. We have a, I, I made a comment about, there was a story you'd picked up on locally that had not been picked up on locally. It was something regarding my race. I don't remember the details now, but it was interesting because I was, we don't have, you know, in, in real Florida, it's not uncommon. There's not really good coverage um, by local media, typically. Did you say rural Florida or rural real Florida? Florida. Rural, oh, a, rural, I thought you said real Florida. I was like, wow, love it. Well, going I mean, right, in, going right into it. I mean, if you want to throw that there, I'm, I'm good with that definition is real Florida as well. Um, no, but I, 
I, I do think there is a gap sometimes and, and I get it how that happens. It's a smaller market, but uh, we, most of the news generated in my area is oftentimes through social media platforms and um, forums. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure Jared, I'll ask permission to call him Jared. I'm sure Jared knows that forums are where it's at politically, right? Jared, it's a, Good point. Well, yeah, well, well, look, now now that we know that you and Peter are electronic pen pals, which is important to establish. <laughs> okay. Uh, Peter, I, the reason why uh, I think uh, Representative Harding and Joe's, uh, while we disagree on a lot of things uh, politically, obviously, one of, one of the things that I think is going on right now is that there used to be an old saying about uh, Washington, D.C. and politics, and it's come true more now than ever, which is uh, it's Hollywood for ugly people. Uh, and and the amount the amount of acting that is going on on both sides, uh, on television, on radio, on podcasts, the amount of just playing a character, playing a part, uh, which is easy. It takes no skill, quite frankly, to to play that part or be partisan. Uh, it takes commitment to the role, by the way, which I'll give them credit for. Uh, but Joe, Joe's one of those folks who's a true conservative. He's a real believer. He's a Trump supporter, but he's just not playing a character. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, he's in it for the right reasons. Uh, I thought but, you just you know, called look, him ugly. Is that, is that, let me just be clear. Is that what no, you what, just what did? I said <laughs> is, no, what I said is do not do what you usually do, which is mischaracterize things. Okay. <laughs> what, what I said was, is that Washington DC and politics up there has become Hollywood for ugly people because they're all acting. I mean, come on, if you turn on Fox news at night, are they not acting? Is that not actors? Because we know, Peter, we know when the cameras turn off, right, that those shenanigans go away. When when you're not in a room with the diehards on both sides, you know, feeding them their red meat, the shenanigans stop. You know, people have regular conversations. They say things, you know, that they wouldn't say publicly when the cameras are on. So they're acting. It, it's an act to raise money, to create division. It's an act. And I would all, I, I'm trying to give Joe a compliment by saying, you know, while we disagree, he's, you know, in public service for the right reasons. He's a conservative. He's a Trump supporter. I disagree with those philosophies, but he ain't playing a part is what I'm saying. Well, I appreciate that. I, I do think we talked about this before. I think the um, what's missing oftentimes in politics is people that know what they believe. I respect people in the process that know what they believe and why they believe it. And when they disagree with me, uh, I love to talk issues because that's how you get better at both understanding what your point of view is and also how to debate it, frankly, right? Like I want to know where you're coming from. If we're talking second amendment, right. And we're, we're on a bill and it's, that's as, that's as partisan an issue. and can be as, you know, as, Route is I want to know where you're coming from. I want to be able to talk to you because I truly believe what I believe. You truly believe what you believe. And frankly, I kind of want to talk through it. And then I know where you're coming from. It makes my perspective better. It makes my arguments better or worse, right? But I think that oftentimes is missing. I think we have more of that, obviously, in the state, thankfully, in the, in the state legislature than we do other forms of government. We need to make sure we keep it that way because the, the citizens afford a benefit. When do you think it's slipping agree. though, Joe? I, I, know you're new, I know you're new there, but do, do you think it's slipping? Do you think some of that Washington behavior is, is dripping into, into the Tallahassee legislature? Well, could I say, I mean, without, yeah, I, I think I, I've not been here long, so I'm not going to, to say something negative about the whole process. I think the main thing is- No, but you probably, way, hear, you probably hear from yeah, senior members. Correct, that say, and with you know, the- well, it's going to have to, with the, unfortunately, with the way technology and social media is, and frankly, if what we got to be careful is the legislator cannot be your audition point to run for higher office. If that's how you're approaching it, then that will ruin the integrity of this building, the, the integrity of the process. And that is the, that's my main concern. Let's not make this about an audition for you to run for congress or governor or whatever it is and because once you introduce that that's your objective to be here yes you will absolutely fall into a partisan trap that this dc is where that is i'm leave that in dc don't bring that here to the legislator because florida we, we do a lot of things right because we've been able to get away from that and if we continue you know if we go down that path we will suffer for it yeah um, let me let me ahead, start uh, all right, I got to run down a couple of things because you guys both covered a bunch there. Number one, uh, closing the loop on politics for ugly people um, is is representative Hollywood for ugly people. It's Hollywood. Is, is ugly Representative 
how do you say her name? Is it Bobert? What is her name <laughs> from Colorado? Yes, Congressman Bobert. Is she hot or not? Because uh, I, I, I don't know. Oh, Peter, uh, you're falling into the age-old <laughs> trap here. Okay, like, first of all, Rep Harding, you don't have to answer that. Okay, I'm not answering that question. Okay, because <laughs> one is we know people in your district are want you going to say yes, but your wife is going to want you to say no. So right. uh, let's not let's not go there. Okay, Peter, you know this, right? We're a creature of our environment. Okay, whatever environment you are, you know, you, you might be a 10 in one environment and a six in another. I can tell you, if I, when I attend a basketball game, I feel like a two. Okay, when, uh, you know, I'm out at the mall, I feel like a six, right? Same philosophy in politics, Peter. Got it. Uh, number two, let's back up a second and just give, I mean, we keep saying rural. Um, I, I do want to introduce Representative Harding that you are a part of like my favorite part of the world in Florida, which is basically horse country. Um, right. Anybody that knows me knows that our uh, our daughter shows ponies and horses um, in and around by you. And so you do you have like the World Equestrian Center? I think that that's one of the other things that yep. kind of popped up on my radar. Um, you had a fundraiser at the World Equestrian Center. I had been telling people that this was the most amazing place ever. Is that is that in your district? It is. It's in my district, and it is. Um, it's the premier equestrian hosting venue in the country, and some could argue beyond. It is an unbelievable venue that we're fortunate to have in Ocala. Um, it's privately. It's been privately built. Uh, 2,200. I'm going to give you the stats, right? You, you know them better than I do probably, but 2,200 uh, horse stalls, all conditioned, uh, four indoor arenas, um, a 250-room high-end hotel. You, I don't know if you stayed at the RV park, but it's impressive. I did. Um, it's a, it's a very, it's a very big, clean, well-maintained, well-appointed um, RV. I stayed there last. We brought the RV up, I think, like last May for a show up there. Jared, you've never seen any play, anything like this. I mean, I'm gonna let Representative Harden just continue on here, but. This is, and I don't even know how to describe it to people who, even if you're in the horse world, like, cause there's another horse, um, a big horse facility hits, which is down the road, kind of from yep. WAC. Um, and I it's what you try would on, I've been to try on North Carolina. I mean, don't, don't try discuss on, me that. Like even like try on and Brownland and the kind of the couple of big ones, this is like, and then you tell me if this analogy is wrong rep, like it's almost like a, a massive military base. It is so big. It is so state of the art. Um, you just, it, and it's kind of in the middle, like there's not a lot of development around there. I don't want to say nowhere. No, that's right. It's, it's off of the interstate. You have to go a little while. And then all of a sudden there's got to be a billion dollars in development, in hard yeah. development there. Um, that's right. So there's, it is 1800 acres and they have, nearly a billion dollars invested. They will have a billion um, soon. And they've, you're talking about, there's 500 employees that work on that facility between the hotel and the restaurants. Um, it's, it is, if you want a full experience, there's everything from taking, you know, the, the person that's not an equine, that's not there for horse shows that just wants to take their family to dinner. There's the whole experience. Every experience can be had from the, avid equine enthusiast that's got you know shows all over the world to you know the family that just wants to go to a nice dinner and see a couple horses while they're there it is an incredible um venue and and they've done it in an area that was mostly either there was one large farm there a lot of it was smaller farms over time that they've bought that the family's bought um but it is we're really proud of it and it it, it is a unique uh, facility that even folks that have come from Wellington or other areas like that, they, they, they can't get over the size. It may not have every feature, but the size and the state art, when it's done, it will have a state of the art, large um, animal hospital. That's going to have technology in it that some of our major universities, well, university of Florida is the only large animal vet um, hospital in the state, but a public one at least, but of that size, they, they're not going to have everything that, that, equestrian center world equestrian center will have as far as technology goes so they are there's no 
there's not a price tag they're not going to pay to make sure they're on the leading edge. It, it is an impressive place. And well, the backstory on it, color, not to sure. turn this into uh, the horse pod, but the backstory on its development is fascinating. There's a little bit of, as you can imagine, in the horse industry, there's some rivalries that went into uh, the motivation behind it. And uh, I had a I had a friend who went there who's in politics, and he said, this guy is definitely in need of political help too, not in a negative way, but it's just like, there's going to be so much development around that in the next decade or so. It'll be interesting to see um, um, what comes of that. I thought it was interesting. I saw you had a political fundraiser there, and I, I've kind of seen that it's turned into kind of a, a center of political activity, almost a, a kind of the way the villages has become, like where people, you know, people go back into it. I just imagine in 10 years, you're going to see major political rallies from that for in that area going to going to WEC. All right, all right. We had the governor. We had the governor. We had the governor there, and he had over—I want to say we had over 900 people there for that for his for his event. So it it is. I think you're right. Enough right. horse talk. Both here. of you, both of you, get off your high horse. Okay. Yeah. Enough that's... horse talk. Uh, see what he did there. You see that? All right. You see that? Hold Rep, your what horses. Are you, what are you working on uh, going into this session? What do you got? What's on your agenda? A couple of bills that you're working on. You know, I. We're still working through that, but I think I think we're obviously shifting from last year. Didn't do a lot of funding and municipality projects with local projects, and we're we're definitely going to do a lot more of that on the policy side. I don't have anything major groundbreaking right now that you know is that's ready to go, but we're working through a few things. I'm going to working with um, Commissioner Weigel and the uh, just a lot of investment laws. We've got a we got a bill that's going to be coming on um, investment and basically trying to update some of Florida's um, statues. And and we've got a few a lot of a lot of our investment laws have not been changed uh, in over twenty years. So a lot of what we're doing, whether it's crowdfunding or um, different different paths with, with investment, we're going to work to update that. And that is a becoming a very complicated and technical bill that I. Not a banker, but we're learning a lot about it. Um, we'll have we'll have a couple social issues, obviously, as uh, that we'll take on. Um, I'm very interested in the very specifically on the on Second Amendment on the concealed carry process. I, we've got a process in the state of Florida. It it it's worked. Um, COVID has put a lot of strain on the Department of Agriculture and processing. Um, concealed carry permits. And I think that's a fundamental thing we got to get right and make it faster. And so we're working on, on a bill that's going to hopefully fix some of that and trying to reduce the timeline uh, for uh, turning around concealed carry permits. And I actually came aware of this issue because we had a constituent reach out that was on about 170, over 170 days waiting on a on, a, on an application and on approval. It's supposed to be 90 days per statute. And it wasn't the first that kind of, and it was when I talked to the department, a lot of it was they had a, a manpower issue and, and different issues, just like everybody. Um, so we're working to resolve that, but there is a piece that is definitely bipartisan. And that is that there's a lot of, um, there's been some discussion on the fact that under federal law, you can't have a, you can't, purchase a firearm and have a uh, medical marijuana card. Um, and so we've got, obviously there's things that need to be changed at the federal level, but uh, in the state of Florida, we're trying to get ahead of that. And so right now we have a commissioner who, uh, and, and commissioner Freed, who is not, um, thankfully is not enforcing anything there. There's nothing per the state requirement that she can't issue uh, a concealed carry to someone that has a medical marijuana card, but, uh, thankfully that's not, but we're going to make sure we're going to try to put it in statute and say that to clarify that you can issue a medical marijuana card or I'm sorry, a concealed carry permit to someone that has a medical marijuana card. And I'm not a guy that's out there, you know, busting at the seams, excited to run medical marijuana, uh, legislation. But I do think that we've got to be proactive and this is, this is coming and let's not make good intended, um, you know, consumers and, and, folks that are my constituents who want to participate in something that's legal. Um, and then suddenly they're they're They could lose their constitutional right in the second amendment because we have a different interpretation. Um, and yeah, so I think that's simple. I, Joe, I think that's simple really. I mean, look, 
you know, uh, I'm, I'm not for open carry in the state. I, that whole policy baffles me. It's 2020, not 1820. Uh, but, 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 I, but, con- but concealed, concealed carry in Florida has worked. There is a process. It's not the, the process isn't working like it should. So you guys are going to tweak that. That that's you know understandable. So that it's in, it complies with the current statute. But there, it, look if if you can pass the background checks and all the things you need to get a concealed carry permit, it, you shouldn't be precluded because you're you have some illness and you're treating that with medical marijuana. Yeah, that makes no sense. Not, there's those two should never should never be penalized for following the rules on both cases. That suddenly you should not be in, in a bad spot because you follow the rules and now you oh sorry we can't have we can't issue that medical marijuana yeah, card. So. Yeah and I'll tell I'll tell you when I was in the house and we were talking about you know Charlotte's web and then we started you know looking at the you know medical marijuana. You know at, at first you know I was uncomfortable with this change that we were going through. I was, it was just, go, it was like a weird concept. And then my wife's grandfather got bone cancer. Uh, he was 90. So obviously we were very upset, but not a tragedy. Um, and, you know, he was taking Oxycontin and morphine pills and all that stuff. And he was having really bad side effects with that stuff. Uh, and he was in tremendous pain. Anyone who knows about bone cancer knows that if it if you, if you get it in the wrong spots and, and once later stages, you're just in tremendous pain. Uh, and he started vaping. And I got to tell you, like watching a nine-year-old man reading the New York Times, sitting in his chair vaping <laughs> is a strange thing. It's very strange. Okay. Although I'm sure there are conservatives in this country think that everyone in the New York Times is vaping because otherwise, how could they write that stuff? I got it. Um, but, but it, it, it was strange. And what I realized is that there clearly was something to this medical marijuana thing. And I wound up supporting the legislation uh, in the house because I had this personal experience. Right. And now with my dad going through cancer and being on all sorts of pain medicines, and he's got the same situation where the cancer has moved into the bones. You know, we've explored, uh, we've explored marijuana or marijuana derived products. Uh, Matt, you know, can I just say and- something about that? Jared and I, I find it so interesting that people and you're not a, you weren't an opponent. Um, I find you know it's basically um, there are what is it? There are no atheists in a foxhole. Like every person, including our family, um, you know, when you get to it and you have the option of using medical marijuana, and you like, I've never heard the story of the the reverse of it. I've never heard you know what. My father, my mother was uh, in debilitating pain. We thought about medical marijuana, but we decided, you know what? Why don't you just grin and bear it out, Grandpa? I mean, you know what I mean. So it's like, I, well, I mean, look, I, I, no, you're you're 100 right. And Peter, I, I, again, like, what, we would go to his house in Allentown, in Pennsylvania, and he would be like literally sitting on the patio or on the couch, right? And he would be, you know, vaping, uh, and he wasn't in pain, and we knew we were towards the end. And the most important thing at that point to us was that he wasn't in pain, okay? And if that's what worked uh, and, you know, Oxycontin, all these other drugs that we've made, you know, in, in a pharmacy, you know, in a lab somewhere, uh, if that was bothering him, but this worked, we shouldn't deny him, yeah. you know, the, the ability to be pain-free. Uh, and and it, was, it, it changed my whole opinion, not that I was anti, but I was, it was just, I was just uncomfortable because I, like, I couldn't envision it. And then when I saw it and I saw it work, it really just changed my outlook. And that should not be an exclusion to somebody who is, has a medical marijuana uh, license, is using it correctly, goes through the process, passes the background checks. They, they should not be inhibited from uh, getting a uh, concealed uh, carry. I, I think that is a good bipartisan law. I'm sure there'll be some people who will, will vote against it. Uh, but but the truth of the matter is, is that that should not be an exclusion. We should not be dissuading people uh, against marijuana as a medicine if it works for them. I mean, you do realize that. Uh, Go ahead, Rep. Go ahead. I mean, well, I'm just going to say, I think, Jared's- I, I think one of the biggest things is Nikki is in and Nikki is in violation right now. I mean, it is, I mean, and I'm not saying that she shouldn't have both. Uh, and I'm not even, I'm not even in position to judge, but the federal law says that you're not allowed to have the concealed weapon with the medical marijuana. 
uh, card at the same time. And it is, I just think that that's an interesting question that a gubernatorial candidate, not only is going to have to answer, um, but it's something also like that Democrats, as they cast their ballot, and I don't want the rep to have to weigh in on this, but it, as Democrats cast their ballot, they have to know that there's $5 million worth of Republican television ads that are going to criticize Freed if she were the nominee over this decision. And it's just like, it's one of, I, I hate to, God, I hate going back to it, but it's like, this, the baggage and the personal stuff with her, even though I think a concealed weapon permits are popular and medical marijuana is popular. Don't get me wrong. But as a governor, we kind of have to hold you to a different standard. We have, we want you to like dot all the I's and cross all the T's and you, you don't just get to say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow these rules. That's why I got it easy. I get to vote for Governor DeSantis again, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but Jared, your discussion on the whole coming to, you know, kind of your your landing point with medical marijuana, I it's very similar to mine, right? And, and um, it's something I don't know a lot about. So that's typically makes you uncomfortable, right? But I think as a conservative, I think there's a there's common ground on this on both sides. And that is that as a conservative that wants to have provide more individual freedom and more individual decision-making and responsibility, leave it to the consumer. Let's, let's, you know, have guardrails and that's fine, but, but leave it to consumer to make the best decision for themselves. And if this is between them and their doctor, the best path or their medical professional, the best treatment or one of the possible treatments and they're a terminal person or they're in living in pain or whatever the story is, who are we to, to take that away from them? And, that's how I've gotten there on this is that, you know, I'm, I'm going to support anything that helps there. And it's not necessarily a popular or not popular issue with my, my constituents, but um, it's for me, it's, let's just provide, you know, it's, let's be safe, but at the same time provide the opportunity for them to make a decision that is good for them. Um, that's a good point with all this, with all this, you know, March to Liberty and, you know, and, you know, Florida free Florida because of COVID with all, with all of that. And clearly there, there being a new kind of mantra in the Republican Party, it's different from the Reagan years of, you know, small government, government out of your lives, uh, you know, less spending that, that the Republican Party has changed. Now, they're not, those aren't the things that define the Republican Party, at least not at this moment, or defines the Republican Party is, you know, they're okay with government so long as government is protecting the things that they value. And so in this freedom and liberty thing, I, I wonder if there will be a sea change. Uh, not that in politics, things aren't hypocritical everywhere. In fact, they are. But I wonder if there will be a sea change. If that, you know, look, if you believe in freedom and individual responsibility and you believe that with COVID, then you should also believe that if that person has an illness and medical marijuana, not just free on the corner, but medical marijuana, they get a permit for, a license for, to use, you should be okay with that. I mean, that's a, that's the same kind of philosophy. I'll, it, that'll be interesting rep to see if, you know, as that moves forward on this particular issue, if there's any movement uh, on, on the conservative side uh, on that. Peter, you got something? Well, I, I want to, I don't want to, I'm sure that the rep has got all sorts of legislative committee meetings to go to, um, <laughs> but I, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up, because you bring He's up. He's in the uh, majority. They've already told him how to vote. Oh, <laughs> They uh, um, oh, is that a too soon? That's a secret. No one, no one knows. Oh, that. you're uh, good. <laughs> you, you know, that you're my hero right now. I mean, we gave you an up arrow. Um, you had a little <laughs> bit of some Twitter beef last week, which was which just was just awesome. Um, my favorite state representative, Anthony Sabatini, uh, mouthed off about something and he who shall not be named, but go ahead. <laughs> but and it was about the special session and about how. Um, the vaccine mandate legislation didn't go far enough or something like that. And you, you came back at him. And um, I think you were not only my hero, but probably the speaker's office probably enjoyed that as well. So what was all, what, I guess, like what motive, why did you do that? Like what, I mean, I, I, I know that you're right, but you know, you're, you're, you, not everybody fired at Sabatini. Why did you decide to, uh, to poke the bear there? Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to uh, pick on. Uh, I think the main thing, my here is my my the, the my biggest takeaway from this whole thing is that 
I, I see our governor and our speaker relatively on the same page doing what I believed, you know, a month ago, if we would have talked through these issues of what I, what I think was the right place for the state. I think that, I think we landed at a really good spot and take away all the months leading up to just vibrato. I think it goes back to my point earlier about we, let's do what's right and best for the state of Florida. Let's be strong in what we believe in. Um, but let's not just do this to be an audition for something else. Let's not make mockery of the, of the process because we're, you know, we're, we're really good on Twitter. And I think that is something that at times has got to be called out. And I, my constituents didn't send me up here just to get popular and get along to go along. I think there's got to be a time where you owe it to your, you know, the people that sent you here to be, use facts and be strong on issues that you believe in. I think when, when you're criticizing a speaker who is, I think landed at a good spot with our legislation, you could, there's my, I guess my main point was there's a process to improve it. Are you doing that? Um, and if you are and you're failing and you believe criticizing it's a possibility, you know, it helps somehow in your, your goal and do that. But if you're not filing amendments, you're not working the bill, you're not showing up to committee meetings, you're not showing up a session, then don't criticize it. Allow us that are here to, to, you know, do our process. Unfortunately, that's not the norm that happens often, right? Politics is the easiest thing to play money Monday morning quarterback on. And we expect that, but then I don't expect that from, from always from colleagues that aren't here. So I, I wish him the best on everything he's doing. You know, I think he'll, he's, he's a firebrand definitely. And there's so many issues we agree on. I probably, probably up and down almost every <clears> issue, but how you get there. Well, it's not um, policy differences with, with, with Sabatini and you're being, look, I, I, I thought what you did was, was a class act. Um, it, it's a good case study in what happens when there's one party control and all of government for a long period of time. And the tent starts to become too big. Uh, in fact, I, I've told Republicans that, you know, which is, hey, look, Democrats were in power for like over 100 years. And then what happened? They started fighting amongst themselves because the Republicans were irrelevant. And you know what happens when that, you know what happened? What happened is the Republicans became relevant and they became, they became the majority. And, you know, 25 plus years later with Republicans having one party rule, uh, these little, these little, you know, outbursts and attacking leadership that is the tent becoming too big and Democrats being so irrelevant in decision-making in Tallahassee that the only fighting that matters is fighting amongst yourselves. But, but listen, this Sabatini thing is, is so over the top, okay? First of all, okay, he's not Matt Gates. He's not gonna be Matt Gates. He doesn't have Matt Gates' talent. And going back to my Hollywood analogy, okay, is he saw the lead actor in the play Matt Gates, and he wants to be the understudy, and it isn't going to happen for him. Okay, uh, that's number one. Number two is, for all of his blustering and toughness. Okay, this guy walked around my EOC in a mask. Okay, and took direction from a Democrat, me. So, like, let's just cut the the, the crap. Okay, <laughs> you know, like it, it's just it's just so ridiculous. The attacking of Chris, the attacking of Wilton, you know, the attacking of other members. I mean, you know, I, I while politics has become a team sport and you wear a jersey, and, and I'm okay with that, but you, you also, you know, this idea that, you know, you can't take your jersey off to do the right thing, which is what I've tried to do, which I think is what you did here, Joe, is take the jersey off for a second to try to do the right thing. The idea also that it's just about me. Forget my team. Forget why yeah. the voters sent me here. Forget helping people. It's just about me, 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 me. And, and you know, it, it's just enough. It's just enough, man. It's just, it's tiring. And, and to be quite honest, as, as we say, I, this, I think we should stop paying attention to it. Jared, as we say this, uh, the freaking, you know, uh, and I'm sorry, but the house just came out with maps this week. Um, probably the most, um, I just most radical. I won't say that they're gerrymandered, but the most radical uh, maps departing significantly from where the Senate was, you know, it basically decimates uh, U.S. House District 7, where Stephanie Murphy is, and it carves out a congressional seat where Sabatini would be hard pressed to be defeated um, in that in that seat. And so, you know, we say he's not going to be back gates, but, you know, is he going to he could be an MTG. He could be a 
another Bobert up there or a Paul Gosser or some other, you know, uh, far right. Well, I mean, come on, let, let's just let me just peel that onion for you. Right. That's the Republicans in the House way to get him to be quiet. OK. And to get him out of there. OK. But as you know, the congressional maps in the House, there are also congressional maps in the Senate. So that that fight is not not yet finished. But listen, look, I, I had I had many interactions with Anthony. I actually found Anthony again when the cameras were off and we weren't on Twitter to be enjoyable and, and nice to talk to. Yeah, we have major policy disagreements. OK. But but I found him to be, you know, a, a, a decent guy. But the guy on Twitter and the guy, you know, going after decent Republicans, okay, it, it, it's just it, it's just so obvious. And and what I want the voters to know is it's fake. It's a lie. They it don't know that. They're for show. Jared, you're sitting down in, you know, in uh, you know, blue Anonville and like they yeah, I'm don't... in the People's Republic of Broward. I get it. I mean, I, like I will say, and I've said this to you in other ways before, but the pandemic has been very eye-opening for me as we traveled and RV'd and we did go through like, you know, for weeks at a time, you know, places that we had not normally gone. And it just opened my eyes. Like it, it stopped me from th thinking, you know, like the typical Democrat, Republican, you know, like uh, we're better than and the, the city rural divide, like the people in these areas that you know are represented by Sabatini, they genuinely believe the things that he is out there talking about. Like I, I don't like I think there's such a criticism. I got it. And when I watched The Wizard of Oz, I thought there was a wizard. And then I realized there was a tiny man behind the curtain faking it. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I think that one comment I'll add to all this. I think that this is where we have to run on on actual what you've done, what you're about, what you believe in, right? And not not what you're against. And I think that politically that is something that we've fallen at. That is how partisan rhetoric happens is people run for office about what they're against instead of what they're for and what they're gonna do and what they're about, right? And that's, I get it, that is rosy colored glasses, but that is that happens on both sides. I think the takeaway I have and, and all of it kind of watching is, yes, it is cheap and easy to do the throw the, you know, grenades at the at the, anybody that's doing anything effective. To tell people what they want to hear, Joe, what you're to saying. Tell people, is yeah, to tell people what they want to hear. And this happens, unfortunately, it ha absolutely happens on both sides. It happens a ton in D.C., absolutely. This goes back to our opening, you know, kind of uh, discussion. And I think that is where um, I, I will tell you, I mean, I speak to a lot. Of, I go to everything I, I can go to and speak to voters. I love to speak to voters. And I typically I go and my normal thing is I speak for like five, six minutes and then I'll give an hour to answer questions. I mean, I have sat sometimes for way too long because I enjoy people when they walk away. I want them to walk away feeling like they got to ask everything they ever thought of or wanted to. And they felt they felt heard and they felt like their representative was accessible. And I will tell you, I mean, I've had folks literally pull out their phone or pull out a printout and read verbatim a, a Twitter post and ask me a question. And typically I will respond and say, you know, it just, it's depending on what the issue is. If it's that is a speaker or rhino and, and blocking this bill number. And then typically I just say, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, you can answer that and set them straight. And oftentimes they'll walk away and be like, thank you. I didn't know. I, and I think that people, while they can fall, it's easy for us, it's human nature to, it's easier to cry wolf than to offer solutions, right? So it's human nature is to fall into that. But I think that obviously both sides do it. And I think that if a few of us can at least try to be strong, I, you know, I'm going to tell, I'm going to be where my base wants me to be because I am, I am, there's, maybe I'm modern on this, on this medical marijuana issue, but I think we're, I think we're going to see that in 10 years, we're going to be on the right side of this issue. But other than that, I'm going to be right where, where the conservative party is at, but there's a way to be strong in what you believe in. And then at the same time say, but here's how we get there. We get there actually by passing bills that chip away or do what we believe in and not, not just blame everybody else. And I, I think that that's, push back you know, on that's that. all I'm trying to do in this whole, this whole, this whole thing, that's all I'm trying to do. I like to push back on that. And it's not, um, I appreciate you even being on with two, you know, I mean, I'm a registered Republican, but you know, we know how good that is. Um, 
Um, I'm a registered Republican in Pinellas. You have to be because they're just, you know, that's where all the exciting races are. Um, I will say I push back on your base in a sense because I do think um, two things. I think number one, there is a zero sumness to the Republican base right now, meaning it's, and I think that you see this increasingly that it's not only that Democrats are wrong, but the, the liberalism should be almost eradicated, um, not just argued with and beaten, but it's an actual threat to what conservatives and Republicans think are the ideal sense of Republican uh, of the country. Whereas I don't think Democrats, although they disagree with conservatives, I don't think that they see that as an existential threat to America. Um, and I think oh, that- Oh, Peter, I, oh, I disagree with that. You think yeah, I, I, I disagree with that. I think they do. Hold on, don't Go get ahead. me wrong. I'm not here. I'm not here to to stand up for folks on the right. But I will tell you, I think the folks on the fringe left looks at and folks on the fringe right both look at each other as an existential threat to America, and it is why they look as at each other as enemies and not as differing points of view. Uh, but but as enemies that need to be not beaten, but defeated. I know. I think they need to be or not. I think I agree with you. I think that the left thinks that the right needs to be defeated. I don't think that the left thinks that the right needs to be erased from the country or seceded from or sent back to Europe or whatever. They use, do, you're right. They use different terms. I right? do think the people in the villages to do just be, you know, to use a code word here, I, I increasingly hear the arguments that that Democrats are communists and socialists are and are in antithema to the American way of life and therefore should be removed or expunged or whatever from America, or we should be, you know, we should be the great state of Texas and Florida and some other places and 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 we should be separate, like that we should be separate. And I don't see well, that. I think this is why but Peter, I think this is why these kind of conversations are important because your experience, I think, as a someone who's obviously more, you know, leans more liberal on on issues. Yeah. Your experience on what you, the folks you talk to and kind of the pushback you may get, you're a little bit different because you're obviously in the political process. So you, you talk to a wider variety. But the average person who is a liberal who is going to vote blue regardless, the folks that they're going to politically talk with are going to say things that are that would be shocking to the as a conservative i hear a lot of the same arguments directed at conservatives from the left that many on the left hear for from conservatives that i won't necessarily hear because i am on the right um but i hear you know kind of things directed towards the left that are shocking and i just the way i'll hear it from our side and i go well that's ridiculous i mean so i think that that's why that's why I, having conversations is important because we hear these stories i i can i would say i mean I, I, the part that i've enjoyed the most about this process is the ability as someone who um you know has tried to always you know, have friends in, in a different wide variety of areas but it's a reality is you 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 are friends often with the people that are right around you that are in a similar life experience who have kids like you or whatever whatever the story is and part of the process that i've really enjoyed is building friendships and relationships with reps from, from all different walks of life, from all over the state, different, very different experiences. So I think that that part is the part I value the most because it's given the opportunity to be able to hear what other sides are talking about. I'm like, holy cow, I didn't, you know, it doesn't change anything I believe. Oftentimes it, it, it solidifies it more. It makes me more alarmed when we hear political rhetoric that isn't advantageous to our cause, if that makes sense. So I think that I think that's why these kind of conversations are important because I think that pretend, depending on what side you're on, your perspective of what you hear the other side believes is so different um, or what they believe about the other side. So I, I think that there are folks on the left that absolutely believe that conservatives are the biggest threat, that we need to be eradicated, that we're just, you know, and, and I mean, look at, and I bring it Peter, up. You I mean, know why you feel that way? Joe, Joe's right, by the way. And, and, and yes, I in blue Broward County, and I was a Democrat my whole life. And so my experience is different than Joe's. But I got a little view behind the Republican curtain for a little bit. 
and, and, and I will tell you the vitriol on both sides. I don't, I don't like the both sides thing. Cause I, I hate that equivocation. Okay. You know, but, but they do view each other on the fringes. They do view each other uh, as the enemy. The reason why Peter, you feel that the Republicans are worse is because when it comes to things like this, they're better at it. Quite no, frankly. that's not why I think that, Jared. No, no I, then that, tell me why. I think that because of January 6th, uh, there's just no, there is no other way to get around that. Like I look at it and I look at January 6th and the according response to it. Yeah, that but that's why, De- but that's why what Joe was saying to you is true because what Democrat, what the folks on the fringe have said because of January 6th is that these Republicans need to be eradicated. They need to be jailed. They need to be no, investigated. Insurrection, insurrectionists need to be eradicated and jailed. Yeah, I don't, but, but I don't you, think you Republicans will find, do. You will find in this conversation that line of who's an insurrectionist has been dramatically expanded. I, I, I don't agree with it, by the way, but you will find, I think everyone who went into that Capitol, my personal opinion, should be in jail, period. Not for a long period of time, but they, they should be prosecuted and fit the crime. But yeah, I, you, will find, you, you will find that the folks... On, you will find the folks on the left have dramatically expanded that to lots of Republicans now. Okay. Well, and you got to realize, I agree. I agree that obviously, I mean, it, it just for the fit matter. I mean, breaking into a federal building, regardless of your intentions to be there, is wrong. If you did that, you know, and you committed a crime, you should you should be punished for it. But I think the part of the piece too that we're missing is when you have, and not to try to get at all these different storylines here but when you have you know the the federal government start talking about even if it was meant for a very specific case but where you give an opening to say that somehow the federal government's going to be involved in investigations relating to parents that testify in school board meetings and you don't want i mean it's you're feeding whether you you realize it or not and it, maybe that wasn't the intention but the reality is that feeds a fringe base that on that that is just dying for that right and you hear and it gets our base excited and, and really, you know, frustrated. And then on the left, you've got folks who are like, absolutely, we need to go get them. And I think that just feeds into it. And that's just DC politics. And that's just the reality. I and mean, that was 100% a political move. It wasn't about helping those school board members. It was about making a political point and good for you. You made your political point. You're the president. You can do that, but understand that that's just feeding into a, a you know, a, a political climate that the cnn's and the fox news is are thrive on i mean those are our, our cable news providers are in existence for making they, they are there to make money right and they make money talking about things that are radical and and you know confront you and make you angry regardless of which side you're on right they're, they're going to and that gets you engaged you only watch what you are engaged on and what makes you angry or gets you excited and they've made a living on that. So, I mean, that's, that we're, we're, that's the whole fundamental kind of the whole political issue we have, I think as a, as a country is that we've gone, gone so far down that rhetoric route, but. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, we just, uh, um, this went on a lot longer. See, this is what happens when you get on with Jared and I, I mean, and we just laid out an hour of, of good hot takes. I mean, we talked about whether, certain members of Congress are hot, whether or not people should wear guns and do medical marijuana at horse farm. No. Um, uh, <laughs> Rep, we're going to check back in with you during session. Um, Jared, Jared will probably be busy, um, you know, um, making Broward even bluer uh, over the next couple Infrastructure of months. Infrastructure money, baby. Infrastructure. Money. It's a good time to be a Broward. Like, I mean, if you're going to be on the Broward County Commission right now is a good time, right? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, obvi- you know, I didn't t- talk about it then, but I've started talking about it now. I, you know, the reason I came home is that, you know, my dad was sick. The governor knew that. Uh, he knew that I didn't want to be done with public service. I've been doing it um, for a long time now. I, I believe it's valuable. It's become tougher, obviously, but I, I still believe in trying to help people and government working within government's a way to do that. And so the governor had talked about, you know, there could be maybe an opportunity in the future to do it closer to home. We didn't know what that would be at the time. And then, you know, this came about and, and, you know, the, the governor was, was 
uh, had the confidence in me uh, yet again uh, to to give me that opportunity. Hopefully, this is a lot less of that. Bless America. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jared. What What were you saying about that? the governor had confidence in you and and how great you were? I'm sorry, I missed all that. Do I'm going to say it again, or you just want to just replay it when we do the edit of this thing? <laughs> Would you like uh, to do that? <laughs> Representative Joe Harding, uh, J- Jared and I are going to stay on, but we're going to let you go. And we appreciate you coming on. And um, uh, I mean, if if I think if more people had conversations like this, uh, we would probably have a, uh, I think, a much better public discourse. Uh, but what it's, you know, we'll be pulling for you this legislative session as well. Guys, I thank you and appreciate it. And uh, anything I can ever help you with and look forward to coming on in the future. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Yep. All right, Jerry, can we talk about you on the county commission? We can, but you just decided to sing over me. I mean, no, I mean, if I had feelings, they would be hurt, but I don't. So I'm fine. Can we? All right. Like, okay, let's ask some. This is where I got to put my journalism hat on. Like, how long was I need you to I need you to deflate the rumor that like you knew about this from like when you left like the um the emergency management division or dm like and all that like that this was part of a long-term deal or something like that like Here, all well, here's the deal I, ne- I i never want to deflate that people think i'm playing three and four dimensional chess and that i've always have always have a plan b and a strategy i don't want to deflate that <laughs> uh but the, but the, but the, but on this one the governor did not make his decision uh until very close to the announcement and now i will i will give you I don't, this isn't a softball. This is a great story. Your dad got to see this. Like your dad is, as we've talked in the last couple of podcasts, is is in a life or death situation, basically. And he got to see his son already elected to the Florida House, but he got to come home and, you know, your dad, I mean, this was this was a big deal for you, right? Yeah, I mean, look, there are some people who don't understand, like why, why go be on the county commission or why go take a one-year appointment. You know, look, I've you know, my, my dad's been a figure in Broward County politics for, you know, 40 years. Uh, and, you know, he was the one who introduced me to politics. He brought me to a Jesse Jackson rally when I was eight years old. That was my first introduction to politics. I got to intern in the White House when I was in college, you know, and, and you know, the rest is the rest is history. And so, you know, obviously I'm home now where to be with my family where I need to be. Uh, and so the idea that I can serve at home uh, while being with him and that he could see it was important and it was a big deal. And I don't want I don't want to put uh, any, um, you know, thoughts out there because I never I don't want to speak for the governor. But, you know, obviously, sometimes the governor just does appointments by, you know, by email, you know, by press release. Uh, but, you know, I think he came to Broward and did it in person because, you know, he wanted it to be special for my dad. It, it it was i mean honestly uh it kind of like so not to make this about me because it's not at all but it was like to me it was like that scene from goodfellas that turns out okay you know um you uh where uh jimmy conway robert de niro's character um you know joe pesci goes off to get made now joe pesci ends up getting shot in the back of the head that did not happen to you but like well it's still, still early i mean Ray Liotta like remarks, you know, uh, you know, like, you, you know, Pesci getting made it meant we were all getting made. And so like when my podcast co-host was getting appointed, I was like, ah, I guess uh, the governor hasn't listened to Jared on the podcast yet because he still was OK with appointing him. But I just I felt good knowing that you got there. What did your wife say? I mean, like she finally got you back home uh, and now you're going to be spending Tuesday nights uh, arguing over the millage rate. Well, I, I think, um, I think my wife knew like there was a piece missing for me, you know, that I, I had, you know, I'd done the service in the legislature. I tried to really make a difference uh, and, and, and use my time while I was there, you know, wisely, you know, people come in and out of the process now every eight years, you're, you're in and out before a blink of an eye, uh, and if you don't leave a mark on on the process, people will forget you even served. Uh, and so I try to do that. And then obviously, when the governor came uh, to me uh, in uh, in 2000, uh, late 2018, and asked me to be the director, 
you know, I knew that there was going to be a huge sacrifice. And my wife bared the brunt of that sacrifice when COVID came and she had to handle, you know, the lockdowns without me while I was serving the state. And so, you know, in addition to my dad, I needed to come home for my kids and my wife. Uh, But I think she also knew that, you know, I gave up part of my career, like part of my fabric, what gets me ticking. So I think she's very happy uh, that uh, that I get to I get to go try to help people again, uh, but but do it closer to home. How do you balance? um, So the governor DeSantis that appointed you last week uh, is different than the governor DeSantis or is perceived differently than the governor DeSantis who appointed you as DEM. Like, how do you, what do you say to your democratic friends? You know, because I mean, like when you were first appointed governor DeSantis, a 66% approval rating guy, it was pre COVID, the world was different. Um, You know, we didn't have the January 6th insurrection, things weren't so, you know, seemingly on a, you know, uh, hanging in the balance. And now you're appointed again by him. So you're now a twice, you're a twice DeSantis appointee here. Um, I know you're democratic. So what you're saying is I'm a twice baked potato. (laughs) Is that that, that what you're saying? Um, What do you say to your democratic friends? Hey, he's not so bad. uh, you know, like it does, it does, it doesn't come up. What, what no, do I tell them, no, no, I tell them the truth. And, and I think this is what the governor would say in reverse, but I'll say it. First of all, you know, I don't think he's that different. I mean, he was the Trump endorsed wall commercial guy. Right. I mean, okay. you know, yes, maybe the first year felt more moderate, but remember he appointed me before that. Okay. I got appointed coming off the campaign where he beat Andrew Gillum, who was the Democrats' best hope, in my opinion, uh, of of finally winning, you know, changing the the tide here in Florida over the last two decades. Uh, And so, you know, so I I, Democrats did not view him favorably uh, after after that race. So I don't know that much has changed there. But I think what I would tell them is the truth, which is the governor and I don't agree on much. Okay. But that's okay. Like this idea that like we only have to associate people who are just like us and think just like us. I think the governor was appreciative of my sacrifice for the state. He knew I was away from my family. He knew I was away from my kids. I stayed six months after my dad got diagnosed to make sure everyone got as many people as I could get the vaccine. And I think he was appreciative of that. He knows my position on masks. We disagree. His people know my position on masks. It's not a secret. Um, he knows my position on all the issues. I got a six-year voting record in the House, okay? Um, he knew that when he appointed me. He knows that now. And so we have different thoughts. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, the idea that he can't say, look, he's a Democrat, we disagree, but he does a good job. Uh, and that shouldn't disqualify him because we have different thoughts. I mean, look, he didn't put me on the Supreme Court. Let's be honest. That's not going to happen. Okay. So, you know, there, there will be to my chagrin. I mean, that would make for, I mean, look, look, there are barriers. Well, look, there are barriers to the relationship because of the policy differences, but you know, the idea that him appointing me is still this unique thing is what's the problem. It shouldn't be a unique thing. I shouldn't be viewed as the enemy and vice versa. Hold on. All right. Okay. Like you're, you're, you're saying all this and I want to direct you to like the video and see, I guess it's the difference between quite honestly being a Democrat elected official and right now me being a member of the media, like his comments towards the media, he views us as the enemy. Like you're saying like, and I listen, and I don't want it to be this way. I even said it today to my staff, like, cause it's like, it's constantly this fight with his press office specifically his spokesperson. And I'm, and I told him, Hey, you know, I don't want to be perceived this way. I remember when we were the people who, you know, Shane Strom would say, ah, you know, Peter's out there, but at least he said this, you know, and it, and that's all lost now. Like now it's somehow is friends and enemies. He is the one who is, you know, the corporate media. I mean, he, he goes as almost as close as Trump, but like literally last night, his, him and uh, LG Nunez, who I know and like, are sitting there launching a petition to like 
take down the so-called corporate media or whatever like that. I, I get that it's all performative, but this idea that he's just, you know, kind of like, I don't know, misunderstood or something like that. I, I, I'm sorry. I think that that's horseshit. I think that he has taken on a tone and an edge now that is, it's on him. I, I, I'm sorry. Oh, I don't, I don't I listen, I'm not saying he's misunderstood. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, and I'll say this, I think any elected official saying that, you know, the press is the enemy of the people and creating that us versus them, the dichotomy, which is the same thing of the Democrat Republic, us versus them. I think that's wrong. We, we shouldn't be doing that. Okay. And it's just feeding into this continued division. And if you're mad at the press for their division, I think elected officials that then pile on and add to more division are doing the same thing. But I will tell you this. I was there, Peter, in the beginning of COVID. I was there when only Florida was on the national news every day. Pictures of the beaches, not even current pictures of the beaches, old pictures of the beaches. I was there, okay, with the national media where, you know, when a lab reported 70,000 cases in a day because they made a mistake in reporting, and that wasn't 70,000 cases in a day, it was 70,000 cases over a month, but they dumped the cases. I was there when we told the press that and they didn't care they ran with it for the headline. I was there when I told 60 Minutes. I picked Publix. You want me to sign an affidavit? It wasn't the governor. I didn't know anything about uh, this, this check. This, this is ridiculous. Walmart couldn't start for two weeks. We called them first. I know. I, I know. Okay. And, and so he, the, problem, the problem is, is that while it is wrong to do this us first, the media thing, okay, I will tell you that if you're looking at it a little bit, from DeSantis's point of view, he has gotten different treatment than other uh, governors has, in I, other states. And I, I agree with that. I agree with, and I am one of the people that has pushed back against that. There's nothing that makes I'm my not, I'm not saying that there aren't points in time where he may have made it worse on himself, okay? But when you're under this constant barrage that he has been, and he sees that there are 49 other states, and it's only Florida, it's not California whose cases are rising in nursing homes, or New York, it's only Florida, 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 and it's being beamed in everybody's brain. And we're getting asked questions that nobody else is getting asked. That, look, we're humans, Peter. It begins to warp your mind, okay? And so, you know, I'm not saying- so you're saying I, I the governor clear. has a warped mind. All right, I no, agree stop with that. No, stop <laughs> it, okay? What, what I'm saying is, is that when you feel that you're targeted, okay, every day, and you're being picked on every day, you know that that's going to affect you. So to let's not pretend that the governor. I think they all listen. They all. I mean, come on. The you think that I mean, and he he sucked. But you think Cuomo? You know. Oh, the press. Oh, stop it. The press didn't turn on Cuomo until three women came up and said the guy's a monster. No, okay? but I think that the Cuomo, there is Cuomo was writing a book. Okay, before COVID escaped the lab. Okay, <laughs> and, and and they and they they let him get away with everything because he was Cuomo. It was no different in some of these other states. We get 10,000 cases, it's breaking news, CNN sends out alert. 10,000 cases in Michigan, no one even knows about it. So that, I'm, not, I'm not creating an excuse for him. I think there have been some things, uh, lots of things that have gone on with the media that we should not have done, okay? And I don't like the us versus them mentality, but there is something in the corporate media that monetized hatred for him. OK, and I, I saw it. And even when we told them the truth, they didn't want to hear it. They wanted to tell a specific narrative because they knew it would get clicks and retweets. And it was about money. It was about money. And Jared Moskowitz, uh, County Commissioner Jared Moskowitz. Um, I don't know. I think we've been on for a while now. I guess we need to, you know, you were worried about us, you know, not knowing what we we're going to talk about. I, I think we talked about a lot of stuff today. Is oh, there anything yeah. we do you want to you want to hit anything else? I love I that we had Joe Harding on because, you know, like that's the best thing about having you and me is like like Joe Harding's not a household name. But I'm telling you, this is going to be one of those guys that could be in Tallahassee if he would let if he I don't know that he has the inclination to do it, but he could be one of those guys like a Rob Bradley, who's a Republican, but a sensible, you know, is from kind of a, you know, not like the idea that we've got this like rural part, like that, you know, like that he, you know, he's, he's right outside Ocala. Like, so he can get on the interstate. He's, you know, an hour away from, 
you know, Gainesville or whatever. It's not like he's, you know, coming in from Nebraska or something. No, look, Joe, Joe and I agree on very little and disagree on a ton, but it's nice that we can have a civil conversation on those disagreements and not walk away thinking he should go die in a ditch. Okay. Uh, and, and w- you know, we need more of that, not less of it. And we're not getting more of it in DC or on television. We're getting less and less of it. Maybe that's what uh, this podcast, Jesus. I mean, finally, maybe uh, six months you later. You finally have figured out why I'm here. No, I've figured out why we are here. Oh, you okay. are here to promote yourself so that you are a more attractive candidate for the county commission. I oh, mean, I thought I was here. I thought this was I was here to promote you as part of like some sort of community service. <laughs> Do I get like a red cord at the end uh, of my 500 hours? I, let's here. Let's switch gears and close up nicely. How was your Thanksgiving? Was it I mean, is was it a tough one because of your dad's situation or? Yes. How, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll end my segment with this and then you can close out. So it's, it becomes a very weird thing, Peter, where, you know, you want to be, you want to be with your loved one every day and you spend as much time as you can, but it's this weird thing that, you know, time is not your friend. Right. And so everything that happens, you view as, you know, is this the last Thanksgiving? And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a roller coaster. You're happy because you're together, but then you realize like this could be the last Thanksgiving. And so you're up and then you're down. And I'm, this is not unique to me. I've heard this from other people who have gone through the same thing, but now I'm going through it myself and it's horrible. It's absolutely gut-wrenching. I'm sorry, buddy. I, th- th- there's no, no other way to close it. Um, I want to come, I don't want to diminish it by, by joking, uh, other than to say that I know that it was a, a great moment for your family and for your dad getting to see. I, you, I mean, for anybody that hasn't figured it out, Jared and I talked about what was going on a little bit ahead of time. And you just, you talked Did more. you just reveal a source, Peter? Did you just reveal um, a source? I'm kidding. Um, you talked, uh, I'll, you talked more about, um, you were, you were, you were more excited that your dad was going to see you become a county commissioner in Broward than you were actually becoming a county commissioner in Broward. Like it was, and that was, uh, it was. If, uh, if if me becoming dog catcher would make him happy, I would have signed up for that job. Yeah. that was. This this is what made him happy. So I'm going to go do the best job and use my experience that I can to go help the residents of district eight and the residents of Broward County, because I know that will make my dad happy. That's awesome. Okay. Um, I will talk to you later in this week. You go and do county commission stuff, get those potholes uh, filled and the trash. I'm going to go celebrate my my youngest son's fifth birthday today, Max. I'm going to go celebrate his fifth birthday with my family. Okay. All right, man. Thanks, Peter.